Hi, it's Jane Wells, and welcome to Strange Success, the podcast from CNBC about really weird businesses that are very successful. Businesses with bizarre backstories riddled with so many pitfalls, you wonder how these people ever succeeded. These are entrepreneurs who see opportunities in the oddest places. I find their journeys inspirational because they make me think, I could do that. And no one agrees with me more than Jane Ock and Sharon Prince. If we can do this, anybody can do it. And I just hope that anybody who, you know, watches this and thinks, ah, I can't do it. If you have an idea, trust run us, with it. Trust us. If we can do it, anybody right. can. What these two best friends did was develop a solution to America's biggest party problem, how to keep guacamole from turning brown. They created a storage product called the Guac Lock. Adios, brown guacamole. Everyone says, oh my gosh, like, no, how come nobody thought of this? We need this, we want this, this so solves a problem. How come nobody had thought of it? Do we really need it? Why make a product for one thing, guacamole? How big a market could that be? Well, it's a big market, bigger every year. America's gone loco over guacamole. We dip chips in it at parties, we mash it on toast for lunch, I put it on everything. The Haas avocado board says we consume over 100 million pounds of avocados just on Super Bowl Sunday. Another 80 million pounds on Cinco de Mayo, says Forbes. Then there's the 4th of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe tonight or right now. But creating the Guac Lock took Jane Ock and Sharon Prince four years and a lot of money. They made big mistakes and they experienced many dips in solving the leftover dip dilemma, like making people care. And one time we went to this oh my store and it was, it was like during lunch hour and it was in a Manhattan. Store in Manhattan right. And we were standing there and literally people wouldn't even make eye contact with us. It's like we were just Jane said so we could have been handing out hundred dollar bills and nobody would have stopped. <laughs> because that would require us. eye contact. They also nearly sabotaged their own dream at the last minute. And I just said, you know what, this is our, our baby. We've worked on it for forever. And knowing that this greatly improves the product, I cannot come to market without making this improvement. I'll explain what happened a little later. But first, I needed to eat some guacamole. This guac was made four days ago. Sharon Prince is pulling two containers of four-day-old guacamole out of her massive fridge. One container is a bowl covered in saran wrap. And after four days, the guacamole has turned brown. It's really disgusting. The other device holding old guac is a guac lock. It's a round plastic container filled to the brim with guacamole. And when I pop the top off, oh my goodness. <laughs> the guacamole looks as green as if I just bought it in an airtight container at the store. Recreating that same air tightness in a storage unit proved very difficult, which is why no one's ever done it. Not Tupperware, not Rubbermaid, nobody. Jane Ock and Sharon Prince risked their capital, their friendship, 
even their families, because the two women are actually stepsisters. Wait till you hear that story. But by now you may be asking yourself, who needs to store guacamole? When is there any left over? People always say to me, but I never have guacamole left over. I said, yes, but now you can make it in advance. I used to have a Super Bowl party and I was frantically like making the guacamole right before. And no, no more. Okay, I guess. I should explain that Jane Ock and Sharon Prince became good friends years ago, raising families near each other in Scarsdale, New York, but both came from professional backgrounds. Early in my career, I graduated from business school um, and moved to New York and worked in equity sales for an investment bank. That's Jane. This is Sharon. Early in my career, I was in the investment management business, and then I raised my children. More from Jane. And I'm also a CPA. Back to Sharon and made the switch to being a recruiter for a summer internship program that deals in that um, business banking consulting space. So banking, investing, accounting, consulting, guacamole storage unit, what's the deal with that? Jane Ock explained. We became empty nesters and I had a little more time in my hands and we were trying, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I said, I'm not the type that can just play tennis in the morning and have lunch and feel good about themselves and I, I like to be productive. And I was literally in the kitchen with my teenage daughter and her friends and I took a container of guacamole out of the, you know, out of the refrigerator and it was not brown. It had been there for like three days and I realized if I don't touch this container of guacamole, it will never turn brown. The second I put a chip in it and there's space, so I thought, if there's somehow we could eliminate that space, then we've kind of maybe solved this age-old problem. Right. So we thought, like, guacamole was so popular. Again, that's Sharon Prince. Our avocados were coming more and more into style, whether it was avocado mash or, or anything like that. It's so expensive. And we said, let's try to solve the problem. Had either of you ever invented anything before? Nothing. Never. By the way, one thing I love about these two women is they are such good friends, they talk over each other or they finish each other's sentences. I said, this is like game changing. Like, I, and that I, aha moment. Right. Or one repeats what the other one says. I think opposites attract, and that was part of the reason that attract I think. And we're, compliment. And compliment, exactly. They're pretty hilarious but they were dead serious about solving the brown guacamole crisis. And here is the problem. Avocado flesh, or pulp, contains an enzyme called polyphenol oxidase, which, when exposed to the open air, creates a molecular chain reaction that turns the fruit's interior brown. Yes, kids, avocados are fruits. Apples have the same problem. Now, people try various ways to slow down the browning, like keeping the pit in the guac, which only protects the part of the guacamole the pit blocks from the open air. Or they squeeze lemon or lime juice on it, which can affect the taste. Or they pour a layer of water on top, though that can turn the guac mushy. But obviously, someone had already created a container to solve the problem, right? That, I, I literally kept Googling for like months and months. I, I couldn't understand. I was like, there's no way somebody hasn't come up with this idea. I'm like, there's just, there's no way. And I, sure enough, nobody had. So these two empty nesters from Scarsdale thought, what the heck, let's do it. How hard can it be? It'll be fun. Maybe we'll get richer. We didn't even know at the time when we said, okay, let's try it. How do you start? Who do you call? Like, how do you find a design? Nothing. We just were like, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. We're going to do right. it. 
So what'd you do? Okay, good question. <laughs> so we just started talking to people and through a friend of a I mean, friend. No, no, no. When you start talking to people, who do you like right. call, talk to? Good question. We, we really started talking to, like mentioning it to anybody we knew. They knew a lot of people. It's Scarsdale. Everyone's connected, though not just from their own professional and personal relationships, but also through their spouses. Sharon Prince's husband, Scott, has a Wall Street resume a mile long. Jane Ock's husband, Daniel, runs Ziff, the largest publicly traded hedge fund, and they're huge philanthropists. But as you'll discover, none of that made creating a food storage unit from scratch a piece of cake. But asking for help helped. I asked a friend of mine who was a lawyer, and she said, you know what? A friend of mine was trying to invent something, and she has this great industrial designer, and why don't you give him a call? So we knew, we start, We mentioned to just a friend who said, you know what? I, I know somebody that's in the housewares business. Their family's been in that for years. Maybe I can help find you the right connections. And that, that then another person said, oh, I know somebody who's an engineer. Maybe they can help you find right. connections. And literally and a friend anybody, of, a friend of a friend of a friend, and everybody said, we'll, we'll try to help you find the right people. They came up with a name for the product. Also, it goes back to sitting yes, around the kitchen table with kitchen, the teenage girlfriends. With my, teenage, with my daughter and her teenage friends, and we're just talking, and it's like, oh, and pop lock and guac it and whatever. And finally, one of them said, what about like guac locker? Or, and I'm like, what about guac lock? And they're like, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so literally, that was, we guac had- Guac lock stuck we from had like the, name the very from early on. They developed a tagline, make it, save it, crave it, after working with a branding company recommended by, wait for it, a friend. And they found an engineer to develop designs. Some designs did not work. This one looked fabulous. It was great from a, like, <laughs> so that. much fun, but we, it didn't push the air out, so this one went by and the wayside. One that one had a teardrop shape. It kind of looked like an avocado. It was really pretty, but it was all wrong. Other prototypes were hard to use. So we started with push-down containers. That would be a round container with a flat top and flat bottom, and you would push the guacamole down and out. But that ended up kind of messy. And like literally like in the middle of the night, we had this epiphany and I called her and I said, you know, if we push up, then as you push up, it always looks like a brand new ready to serve container. In other words, the bottom of the container would push up the guacamole from underneath, jamming it into the flat top, which locked on, blocking out all the air. Unlock the lid and take it off and the dip is still green and ready to eat. And then we could literally store it and serve it in the same container, and as you're eating, can push up. By this time, the two women were putting in a lot of their own money into this crazy venture. I would say we were each, up to six figures. I think each, 100,000 each. Our startup costs um, were not insignificant, um, especially as we hit manufacturing issues and, um, and lawyer fees and uh, the patenting fees. I'm actually always amazed that I, I watch Shark Tank and you see hear people say, I've put $3,000 in and I've launched my business. We, it costs more than that just to, just to submit for a patent, so I don't know how they did that. We met somebody at a store um, who was a buyer for a store in Manhattan, and he said to us, what you must do is you must go to the houseware show in Chicago. And it's, this is now November. That's November 2013. We don't even have a prototype. We, have, we have nothing. But this is now November, and the show is in March. March. So I look online, and 
it's all sold out. And again, my sister has a friend who said, I think my friend Keith is involved in the housework show. Why don't you give him a call? Again with the friends. I give him a call. He said, Jane, I will. We're going to make this happen. We will give you a little startup booth at the show. I'm like, okay, that's great. Okay, well, but we don't have a branding company. We don't need prototypes. Then came me who said, we're not going to the housework show. We're not ready. We have nothing. And of course, Jane's like, we're going. We're going to make it okay. work, and we're going to do it. So Sharon knows me. You don't. Like, I don't take no easily. Like, no I. <laughs> So it turns out that we found an amazing, through another friend of a friend, a prototype making guy um, who <laughs> makes- He could produce them for us in like five days. Five days in Taiwan and literally in, literally five days to our door, we had seven of these prototypes. And then as an aside, the night before the houseware show, talk about people you know, a uh, good friend of ours was at a Shiva call and met this gentleman, Bruce Kamenstein, who owns Casabella, and, which is a really cool mop and broom company. Holy, well, guacamole. These women are connected. And he said, oh, my friends are going to the housework shows t tomorrow. And Bruce said, have your friends look, look us, us up. up. Casabella is a huge housewares company. They make brightly colored mops and scrub brushes. And the guy their friend met at the Shiva call, which is a traditional period of mourning in Judaism, well, that guy, Bruce Kamenstein, founded Casabella. When Jane and Sharon got to the housewares show in Chicago, by sheer happenstance, their tiny little booth ended up right near Casabella's humongous display. So we're here at the Chicago International Houseware Show. This is audio from video taken by Stephen Key Media of Jane and Sharon at the Chicago International Home and Houseware Show in 2014, demonstrating the guac lock. It's literally like a clown car. It keeps, it really keeps a lot of guacamole. Their little invention ended up being a finalist for the show's Innovation Award, even though all they had was a working prototype and no actual product. So everybody's coming by and saying, well, how do we get them? We said, well, we're, we're not quite ready to <laughs> ship. We're almost there. We, we, you know, we told stories where our manufacturing is coming along, but we don't quite have them stateside yet. Meantime, Casabella was so taken with the guac lock, the owner asked if he could license it from them. Jane and I looked at each other like, that's so sweet of you, Bruce. Right. We don't need you. Like, we totally are going to do this on our own. So let me get this straight. They had never made anything. In fact, they hadn't even made an actual guac lock yet. Here was Casabella, a company with estimated annual revenues in the hundreds of millions of dollars, offering to license their product, to make it, market it, sell it, pay them a royalty. And they said no. Then, a few months later, <laughs> as we were attempting to manufacture in China, and again, the issue started, I, I, we finally, like Sharon and I were talking, we're like, okay, so tell me again why we wouldn't license it to Casabella. <laughs> they changed their minds and they called Bruce Kamenstein. And the best part about it for us was that he really wanted us involved. He loved our enthusiasm and he wanted us to go on sales calls. And, you know, he welcomed when we were at, when we came to the office. And so that was the biggest selling point for, I didn't want to just, Give license it, it and Give go it sit on a beach and you know I, I just didn't want to do that so hooray yeah you haven't even brought a product to market yet and you already have a licensing deal the end you know it's not the end nothing's ever that easy 
anyway, as far as what went wrong, <laughs> we licensed it to Casabella and they loved the idea. And here is our original prototype, which is just so beautiful. But the prototype that Jane's holding was not made from an actual FDA approved material for storing liquid food. That was a problem. Most food storage products are made from silicone. The wonder plastic of the, the, of the kitchenware right. industry. The wonder material in the kitchen space. It's FDA approved, it's you know microwave and freeze and you name it. So we spec'd it for silicone. We found out the hard way that the main characteristic of silicone is gas permeability. So it literally So left. it was exactly <laughs> what we didn't want. Gas permeability means silicone isn't completely airtight. Oxygen can seep through, and you know what happens when guacamole meets oxygen. But neither Jane Ock, Sharon Prince, nor their manufacturer could figure out that this was the reason the guacamole kept turning brown during testing. We had all these experts, and they're like, like, there's no space. We kept doing water tests. It we kept they doing pressure tests, and nothing, no air was coming in and out with our water tests, with our pressure tests. We couldn't figure it out. Right. And then I even went to the doctor, the, the eye doctor the other day, and I tell him the story, and he's like, of course, silicone is permeable. I'm like, okay, where were you? We were trying to figure this out. <laughs> so anyway, everybody we, was beyond frustrated. Like, how did you figure it out? Oh, that was, you know how? We just kept putting guacamole in it. The best part is, you don't need a lab to test this. Guacamole either turns brown or it doesn't turn brown. I said guacamole tells no lies. Hundreds of brown guacamole batches later, the two decided to hire a materials engineer to find something less permeable than silicone and still FDA approved. So after six months, we were, that was just a very dark period <laughs> in our business and in our, it was just so sad. And finally, by the grace of God, we found, we the, right found the right thermoplastic elastomer and here it is. It's our little secret sauce. There are tons of products out there uh, made of silicone that used for storage. And we know that this is a better product than silicone so um, for storage. So we're, our hope is that we could you know, really continue this whole storage food preservation um, line. Yay, problem solved. Then another crisis developed just as they were this close to selling their first guac locks. They already had an order. That order was about to ship when Jane Ock had another one of her middle-of-the-night epiphanies. She realized the guac lock shape was all wrong. Here's why. When you manufacture something, you need a draft angle. So it has to, because to multiply, to produce many of them. You have to be able to get it out of the mold. Exactly. So it's got to be just ever so slightly smaller than either on the bottom or the top, and it has like a draft angle, ever so slightly. That angle being smaller at one end than the other, it makes it easier to slip a product off a mold during mass production, and the guac lock had been manufactured to have the larger opening at the top. And so as you push up, the fins are getting looser and looser, and guacamole is getting between the wipers, and the base is falling in, and I'm like, uh, and I realized, wait guys, I called Sharon like in the middle yes. of the night. I'm like, Sharon, I need you, I need you. I was like, if we turn this upside down and you're pushing so that now the draft angle is like this. Meaning the top opening would be slightly smaller than the bottom. Then you're pushing and it's getting tighter, tighter and tighter. On top. Hello? So I'm like, they had already produced 12,000 of them at the factory in, in China. 
And I called up Bruce. I said, Bruce, I, I, I got to meet with you. And we show up and I've got, we've got guacamole in one oh, like this and in one like this. Let me try to give you a visual of what happened. They showed the founder of Casa Bella, this massive housewares company, two versions of the guac lock. One had the top bigger than the bottom, like they'd already produced in China. The other had the top smaller than the bottom, which Jane insisted would be better for pushing up the guacamole and preventing it from oozing back down the sides inside the device. It was cleaner this way, less messy. I said, this is like game changing. Like, I, and that I, aha moment. Right. The problem was though, you had to make a new you, mold. Yeah, you, you couldn't, we, because we have this lip, you couldn't just turn it upside down and, and use the same product. It had to be completely um, right. you know, manufactured. So though. the tops fit the exactly. whole Exactly. So on that subject of not, really not wanting to take no for an answer, everybody agreed. They're like, you are so right, you guys. This is, this definitely improves the product. But we have, but it's still good the other way, and we have twelve thousand that are going to market, and, and all of these customers, like we already, it's three years delayed, and we'll do it next time. And I, I just, I turned to Sharon, and I said, and she knew exactly what I was right. going to say, and I just said, you know what, this is our our baby. We've worked on it for forever, and knowing that this greatly improves the product, I, I cannot come to market without making this improvement. They let us, they did. So we had to, in Michigan, we found a temporary mold maker. They made a temporary mold of 3,000 of them. And we and 3,000 was the order we had to get to market ASAP. We got 3,000 of them made like to the day. And Casabella hired a bunch of temps to retrofit as soon as they got there, retrofit all the boxes, you know, all of the guac locks, and we ended up going to market with the great ones. And then we made the real mold in China, the new one, which obviously takes a lot longer. So the next shipment, um, the other 8,000 were made with the mold from China, and so we, we got to come to market with all of them retrofitted. You paid for this change we, personally? How yes. much did that cost That you? was about $11,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But, but before and, you come to market, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So after four years, in 2016, the Guac Lock finally hit the market, priced around $20. Revenues were $200,000 that year. And in 2017, they quintupled to a million bucks. The women are being paid through their licensing deal, and they expect to break even on their initial investment in 2018. Casabella put the guac lock into retailers like Bed Bath & Beyond and the Container Store, and of course it's on Amazon. We're getting great reviews, which of course I check them every single morning. <laughs> in 2017, the guac lock won a prestigious Good Design Award from the Chicago Athenaeum Museum of Architecture and Design. But the ladies have much bigger plans. They want to promote the guac lock for storing hummus, pesto, tuna fish, whatever. Somebody even suggested um, in the on, on the cannabis industry, um, marijuana. So I don't know if we wanted to have that on air or not, but you know, we said we could call it potluck. You know, it's like. <laughs> what is amazing is that after all that stress, all those mistakes, 
they're still really good friends. You know what, we've, we've been through many rocks and rolls as everybody is in all kinds of relationships. Um, and the one thing, Sharon and I, as I like to say, are opposites. I love to sell, you know, I literally put me on a street corner and I would just be so happy selling my guac guacs. Um, and Sharon's very technical and like, as far as dealing with the patent attorneys, like they the speak. Patent attorneys, the engineers, oh the, my gosh. More of that business side, that was more what I That was on. what she was good at. And I would hear blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Sharon, you got that? And she's like, yeah, I, I got, got that. I'm like, good, perfect. <laughs> and I said, if nothing else, I said, we've finally impressed our children, which I know I've tried for 25 years to do, so. Oh yeah, here's the story of how they became stepsisters. About 20 years ago, my father passed away, and around the same time, Sharon's mother passed away. I'm from Detroit. My parents lived in Detroit, and we went on vacation, and I think, and my mom came to New York to babysit for our kids and went to a, my son's Little League game. Sharon was also was out of dad. town at the time, met Sharon's dad. And the rest, as they say, is history. They, <laughs> yep. my, dad, my dad called me and said, I saw this good-looking woman. I think she's the mother of your friend Jane. What's the story? <laughs> I said, Dad, forget it. Forget it. She doesn't, she's not interested in dating. She's having a nice life in New York. He said, okay, watch. And he started offering her rides to this, from the city up to Scarsdale. She didn't have a car. He did. They lived right near each other. And, and lo and behold, they fell in love and got married, and really great friends became our siblings, our children's best friends became their cousins. It was really it was just like, really you could never phenomenal. pick a family better than, than that connection. From day one, we, we knew that there was no way anything was gonna happen in this business that was gonna affect our friendship. It was just, for me, so much fun just to learn about something that you know nothing about. And that's really I the just, best part of the I adventure. I just loved it. And I had no problem when I would talk to somebody saying, okay, this is the first I've ever done anything like this. You know, please tell me what you know. I, and, and I would listen to people's advice. And, you know, you never know where that's going to lead. Ask and you might just receive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Strange Success. I'm Jane Wells. This CNBC podcast is written and produced by me with help from producers Candace Goldman, Janice Pettit, Ellen Egith, Jessica Ettinger, and Paul McNamara. Editing and mixing by Candace Goldman. We'll be back next week with another story about regular people with a weird idea who defy expectations and succeed. To see the Guac Lock in action, check out Jane and Sharon's story at CNBC.com forward slash strange hyphen success. And we still like guacamole at the end of this whole thing, too, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs>